0: Uh, My name is Lee Merriweather, and I am a proud Houston AARP volunteer. AARP is the nation's largest nonpartisan, nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering people like myself, over 50 and older, to choose how they live out their later years in life. With 3.4 million caregivers in Texas, AARP Houston is dedicated to providing resources and information to those caring for their loved ones. That is why AARP Houston is proud to sponsor Mindful Mondays, a caregiver series in partnership with Caregiving Wellness Retreat. I hope I got that right. AARP has prepared to care resource guides designed to help develop and implement a caregiving plan for a loved one or for your friend. The guides include information on how to have vital conversations, ways to access your loved one's needs, tips for organizing essential documents, a roundup of federal and natural, and not natural, but national resources, information on caring for yourself, checklists, medication choices and contact lists. Visit AARP dot org backslash caregiving. I'm trying to read this print, it's so small, I need my glasses on today, guys. And I will put this information in the chat for you, but you can also visit aarp.org backslash Houston if you need to for more virtual events and resources in your community. And again, I will put this medi- this um, links in the chat for you. Thank you for having me today.
1: Thank you, Lee, I'm glad that you're here. So if you joined us last week, we talked about resiliency and moving through grief, not around grief. So this is something that, um, unfortunately, caregivers of Alzheimer's and other dementia, which is what I work with in terms of an organization, Caregiver Wellness Retreat focuses on those that have Um, persons of dementia um, or Alzheimer's, but what we'll cover in all of these Mindful Mondays really apply to everybody, so uh, I don't think there isn't anyone that couldn't use a little bit more presence and a little more patience, which is what our topic is today. I asked uh, those of us that are joining us live, and if you're watching the record, you can always type it in the chat below, but I asked to have them share what maybe was a small win for them last week. So when we think about resiliency and, and how powerful resiliency, the way that we strengthen that muscle neurologically is actually to reflect back on times or moments in which we persevered in which we had a small win, in which we were able to accomplish something that was really, really hard um, that we had to overcome. So the more that we are able to reflect back as a sense of what we would call an inner resource. So essentially we're resourcing our strengths to see how we can move forward in the future. It's incredibly powerful and it utilizes three time points. So you're having that reflection, but the rumination isn't on negativity. The rumination is on your strength and your power. And then that is in the present moment. So right here, right now, you're visualizing that. And then that's how you gear up to move forward. So take just a moment, whatever you typed in the chat, or whatever you've been reflecting on, you can have your eyes open or you can softly close them actually visualize that moment. Now, parts of it might've been really challenging. In fact, parts of it might even bring up some uncomfortable feelings perhaps. And then imagine how you moved through that and then notice what shift physiologically happens in your body. Do you notice any softening or opening or even a sense of vulnerability. Just take one more breath to really take in the sensation of what you feel when you reflect on that big or small win. And then allow yourself just to exhale. And then you can open your eyes if you like. I'm going to, we'll start out today uh, with sharing my screen and we'll take another experiential. The format of our and our menu for our time together as a little bit of discussion, a little bit of experiential kind of back and forth. What I find um, can be really powerful with mindfulness is it's not about learning whole new techniques or radically changing your life it's about finding these small moments of really being present with whatever you're experiencing so that you can almost hit what we would call the reset button in your nervous system so by just taking these little pauses or breaks or however you would like to moments um, where you're actually just taking stock those little moments add up to all of these different resets within our nervous system and are incredibly powerful. So I'll share my screen here. And I think Suzanne, you'll enjoy this. (laughs) Uh, Let me see if I can get, uh, technology is always fun. So we'll, uh, hang on tight just one second. There we go. Fantastic. All right. So she's like, yes. <laughs> I'm just going to adjust this and make this a little bit larger for you. All right. So take a moment here to allow your eyes to scan and survey. And as you are surveying the surroundings here, what do you notice?
0: The sun coming through the trees.
1: Yeah, the sun through the trees. Allow your eyes, go ahead. Peaceful. Peaceful, yeah. Allow your eyes and attention to move a little wider. So imagine the corners of your eyes widening. There's a sense of ease and softness. And as you almost step back and imagine taking in all of the forest, begin to notice the ground underneath your feet, imagining standing in the forest itself. What is the texture underneath your feet like? What is the air and the quality of the air like? Cool, warm. Begin to notice the texture of the wind. And if there's any warmth coming from the sun. And this is how we would normally view the forest. Sometimes we look at it all at once. So a really broad wide view as if our eyes were widening on the sides. But if you started to move, so you could imagine beginning to go for a walk here, your view would shift from wide to a little more narrow. Your body is moving into a more active state. You might need to look where you step. Perhaps you could still slow down and pause and admire the leaves, the color, how the light changes around the trees, but there's a shift. And then take a moment to stop again and look up. So what we're looking at are the crowns of the trees, the light pouring in through the top. And take in for a moment how your entire perspective has just shifted by looking up. Does your breathing change? What would it be like to sit or even lie down and just allow yourself to rest into that gaze? What do you notice about your body? Is there any new softness or maybe a smile that forms on your lips? What are the sounds that you hear? Take for a moment this visual image and allow the eyes to just soften and soften almost so that it's just color that you see rather than really specific trunks and limbs and continue to notice how, even if you close the eyes, you could probably still see those crowns. They're still there. They haven't left. So you can be present with yourself and you could still be present with your surroundings. Take just a few easy, soft, natural breaths. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes again. I'm curious how many of you, you can either do a show of hands or you could type into the chat. How many of you look up often or look underneath or around oftentimes whatever is happening in our day we get this and i and i hesitate to say the word rut but there becomes a routine how many of you've gone to the grocery store And you put your groceries in the back of the car, and you get in your car and you drive home. And when you get home, you realize, I don't even, didn't even notice how I got home. Your body just drove you there. (laughs) There was an embodiment of driving, and you really didn't even need to pay attention. There was just this knowing of how to do the pathway home. And oftentimes when we take new routes, we see new things, we uncover different and new experiences that perhaps weren't there before. We didn't realize um, that there is a new building or there is this tree that's suddenly blooming that wasn't before. So doing something just in a slightly different way enhances your memory. One of the things that relates to our ability to remain present is our relationship to time. Time is also directly related to our relationship to patience. How many of you are very patient? If you are, I'd like to have you come over. (laughs) And I think uh, patience is something that is a lifelong journey. If anyone has some mastery, I would love to know. What I have found in my experience with patience is how it is directly related to time and the way that we perceive time, whether we feel time is scarce, whether we feel time moves really, really slowly and we want it to hurry up, or whether we feel that time itself is moving so quickly that we don't know what to do with it. And the brain scientists tell us that a lot of that is a relationship to how we learn. So if you've ever been on, uh, they call it the holiday effect. If you've ever gone on a holiday and everything is new, you've never been there. So the restaurant is new or the, um, this is back when we could do that. <laughs> so things things are all new. The experience, the walk, the outings, everything is is fresh and new and that phrase or that saying that um, uh, time flies when you're having fun is actually true right when it when things are new or novel it has the perception of moving quickly and then what's interesting about the brain is when we reflect back on it it actually has the perception that it was quite long that it that a day, even though it was only 24 hours, seemed like a much longer expansive period of time. So your brain has the tendency to remember new novel learning and new and novel things where the routine things, the things that we embody and do regularly that have no significant wins or no significant um, interesting things that happen we tend to forget them and time feels as if it's moving much slower. So the interesting thing about that for me is how we relate to time helps us relate to this idea of really being fully an embodied present. And seeing things in a new way, whether that means pausing to look up or changing our route or trying to experience something that we always do in a slightly different way so that our brains are challenged by that and also our perception of time is challenged. When we think about um, the breath, one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said that, is that time is breath. And you could also say the inverse is true. Breath is time. So we breathe in and out all day long, um, more than 200,000 times a day at rest. If you are doing a cardiovascular or a quicker movement, that breath tends to increase. And as we are experiencing our breathing, It is not just a way to mark time, but it is a way that we can actually begin to modulate ourselves in terms of regulating how we respond to things. So for example, does anyone have to tell yourself how to breathe? (laughs) Yeah, sometimes, right? We're like, oh, I need to breathe. I need to remember to breathe. But actually you wouldn't be here if you had to tell yourself how to breathe. It is autonomic. It is one of those things that thankfully, like our heart, like all of our visceral organs, that we do not have to actually, our brain doesn't have to tell our body to take a breath in and breath out. It simply does, thankfully. But it is the one part of our system, the autonomic nervous system in which we can control. So let's just take a simple breathing exercise here and begin to notice our physiology in relationship to that. So however you are is just totally perfect. So if you're seated in a chair, the only thing I ask is that perhaps you feel like you have access to your spine. So if you're quite rounded in your chair, you'll have a different experience than just kind of lifting the spine a little bit. It's not about really sitting up tall, that's not it it's really just kind of feeling and noticing if I have access to my breath a little more fully. So you can have the eyes open or closed, it doesn't matter. And wherever you are in your breathing path, just exhale fully here. So notice on your exhale, if you're able to connect all the way down into your feet. And again, breathe in softly, just right at the tip of the nose. And instead of forcing any exhale, imagine you were just simply riding it like a wave or a crest until you feel gently the end of that breath. And like a waterfall, gently inhale again. And then softly exhaling until you feel the very end of that breath. Breathing in a sense of what is essential, this easy, smooth inhale. And then as you exhale, curious about the duration, the length, the texture. Notice if there is like at the end of a waterfall, there's a pool or an eddy. Is there a pause at the end of the exhale? without forcing it, then gently thread it right back into your inhale, waterfall into your exhale. And then notice if there is the subtlest of pauses. And inhale. Gently, it connects to your exhale. notice that pause and the pause is just a it's a pregnant pause it's not a forced one it's not a retention of breath it's a stillness a quiet space a momentary silence And notice in that silent space what you're sensing in your body. That pause, that silence is accessible to you all day, every day, when you just simply choose to notice that it's there. a way to remember this simple breathing technique is it's an, an essential inhale. It's one you already take and then follow with curiosity your exhale like a waterfall. When it meets the end, notice that subtle pause and a gentle inhale. Sometimes I use the waterfall image. Sometimes I think about it being this circle that's unbroken. And that pause can be anywhere along the circle. So sometimes the lengths of breath are a little different and that's okay. And all I do is just simply notice And then take for a moment to locate whatever feels like the center of you. So it might feel like, oh, I can feel my belly or I can feel my throat or my heart. And then take another round of that essential breath. It's breathing in, water following the exhale. Finding that resource of pause. Can you connect that pause with where you feel the center of you? Imagine that you hold that pause in that centered, safe, resilient space. And when you're ready, you can open your eyes. I'm curious how that felt for you. If anyone wants to, you could unmute yourself and share, or you can share in the chat as well. a good way to check in is just to notice, what am I feeling from the inside? So it could be warmth, more relaxed. So that's an interesting thing to think about. When I think about how, what I notice in my body, relaxation is actually a sensation. Warmth is a sensation, softness, and then there's sometimes an emotion attached to that. And it might be, I feel more calm. (laughs) Or, oh, actually focusing on my breath today made me feel more enlivened. And sometimes it does that. So just kind of tapping into noticing that there's a subtle difference and we'll explore this in future sessions. There's a subtle difference between sensation and emotion. And both are important and valid, but sensation often gets us out of the dialogue that tells us something's good or bad or I'm not doing it right, or, oh, that was awesome. I need to have that experience immediately again. (laughs) But sometimes when we can go back to just sensation, then we can develop a new pattern, a new shift physiologically from the inside out. Yeah, so someone wrote, awake and alert, a release from busyness, the tension in my body, a release of toxins, so you felt something... Go, which is exactly what our exhale does the beauty of the breath is this amazing exchange that our body is having. So when we picture it in the very beginning. um, The forest. So we're we're actually co regulating with nature. It's this giving and exchange and receiving and it's just constant. So one of a really quick way to return to presence, and we talked about this last week, is just even looking outside, having the eyes on nature. If you're able to go outside, even better, but being able to really see or visualize that sense of co-regulation, of being able to exchange with either nature or another person camera <laughs> wrote, motivated by nature. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to move into a couple of more, uh, a couple more techniques. What's really interesting to me is I, I, as I reflected on what patience actually is, and it's, it's our body's capacity to tolerate um, something that caused us agitation um, that resulted perhaps in either being upset or angry. So patience is our capacity to accept turbulence. And rather than reacting, we actually pause. So it becomes this ability for us to again, not react, but instead act, and then has the element of time. Yeah, chemist says, the patient, patient's the ability to accept turbulence, yes, absolutely. And so if we can cultivate this ability to accept turbulence <laughs> without reaction, uh, it is a skill. It is definitely a skill. One of the skills we can utilize for that is modulating the breath. So the exercise that we just did a few moments ago is called the essential breath or essential breathing. You'll notice that I didn't cue you a specific length of time. I didn't cue you to take a deep breath, Um, but I ask you to gently follow your exhale. So by following our exhale, we actually naturally begin to extend it. With an extended exhale, it signals to the part of our nervous system that tells the body it's safe to begin to activate. So we move from a more reactive state to again, action instead of reaction. So just by exhaling longer than your inhale, you have a way of modulating something that's autonomic. Just, I don't know about you, but that's incredibly empowering to me. (laughs) To know that I have that ability is one of the most powerful tools I believe that there is. Another way to cultivate pause uh, is to tie it in with something that you already normally do. So if you have a particular habit um, that you have, so maybe you have a certain routine. Um, I would say one routine might be for uh, for us sometimes is to watch a movie on a weekend um i'm not a big tv watcher but occasionally we'll watch something as a family so rather than clicking it on immediately there's a pause there's a moment where you just acknowledge or take a sigh or take a breath the same thing about our electronics so if there's a go-to for you that even if it's a positive tool. So for example, if you enjoy the mind games on your phone or maybe you have a routine of checking certain apps, I wanna see if so-and-so messaged me. So you check your messages, then you go to email and then you go to uh, another social media app. I might be the only one here, (laughs) but I doubt that. But if you have a little routine To me, that's almost akin to uh, back when we could go to zoos, it was a long time ago that I took my kids to the zoo, but we would watch the tigers. And if you notice how the tiger goes back and forth and back and forth and back and forth, the tiger is soothing himself by moving. It's calming its nervous system and it's finding a way, but it's like a tiger in a cage It has this point to point to point to point that it goes to similar to what we do with our phones. I have this image, every time I start to go for my phone, an image of a tiger comes up in my head and I think I am not that tiger. I don't need to go and check each app. I don't need to go and see and reach out. I can pause first and then choose if that's really what I need to be doing in that moment. And then I can also, in that pause, check and see what need is not being met. And I'll say that again. (laughs) When you reach for whatever it is that you're reaching for to soothe something, what need is not being met? Yeah. Yeah, Kemma says food for me. Yeah, sometimes that's a big soother, especially in caregiving. We think food fixes everything. And in actuality, maybe a hug is needed, maybe a touch, maybe a breath, maybe looking outside, walking outside. Maybe there's another need that needs to be met there first. Hunger, though, is, is, is important to listen to the hunger cues, but... Is that the real need at that moment? So finding those pauses. So what can you do in the pauses? You can take a longer exhale than inhale. You can take a breath of thank you. So many of you have a contemplative practice of prayer or meditation. I have a gratitude practice. So every every morning I have my journal and I write what I am thankful for and I write why. The why helps me resource back to how I feel and that strengthens that skill of gratitude. So it makes me want to go back again and again with more gratitude. So I have a pausing practice of the gratitude journal but I'll have a pausing practice of just thank you. I don't even say much else. So if I'm getting my coffee in the morning, often a thank you that I'll I'll whisper in my mind is to my husband, because he will have already heated up (laughs) sometimes the coconut milk or he made the coffee the night before. It's a breath of thank you. The other way that I pause is to look. So that circles us back to how we started our practice together of looking. If you notice, we looked at the first forest straight on. We looked at it how we normally see things. So oftentimes when we're moving, our focus becomes more narrow. And that has to do with your body's automatic safety system or nervous system. Our vision narrows so that we can see where we're going. So we don't trip. So we have a predictability, we can see what's ahead. We can see if there's anything we need to be looking for. The vision narrows, which is a safety skill. When we stand still, we can let our vision broaden as if we're looking out through the corners of the eyes as well. You can practice that even right now. So look at something in front of you and really focus on one point. Notice a specific detail, a color, a texture of something. And as if you took your camera of of your eyes and zoom back out, take in that image of what you're looking at with a wider view. Now, what do you see? What do you notice? What colors change or shift? What textures change? What do you feel inside? So a narrower view is related in our nervous system to what we call the sympathetic nervous system, our body's ability to react. A wider view is associated with the parasympathetic nervous system, our body's ability to calm ourselves what wouldn't be better if we just stood back for a moment and took a wider view considered that maybe there's things we don't know about this situation maybe this moment takes a pause for us to digest and then we can choose to act but we're just focused on that speck. or that detail, we could have it wrong. So a wider view. And one more aspect to looking is to look at it in a new way. So let's do an example. Take that same image that you took a wide view, and you could turn and look at it slightly differently. So now your view now encompasses something slightly different. You're still looking at it, but you can see another part. We talked about looking up earlier. So if there's any way that you can see something from a different perspective, which is different from a wide view, wide view is calming. It's that pause, but looking from a new perspective will shed new light on something it's gonna help you do what we call that sense of co-regulation. Another way to think of it is um, collective care. When I have a narrow view, I'm really looking at myself. When I have the wider view or a different perspective, I'm thinking about all of us. That's very different. So I'm going to (laughs) recap. So we have, we have this idea of just simply pausing to create presence, which is akin to patience, strengthens that muscle of patience. And so some techniques to use when you're pausing is that exhale longer than your inhale. So we'll we'll practice it now. Gentle inhale, so just normal and follow that exhale. I just felt my shoulders drop all the way to the end. And then do it again. Gentle, normal inhale, follow the exhale. Another way to pause is to find that. Thank you. So pause. And thank you. So another way when you do say thank you is to let the little corners of your mouth, even if uh, I'm not into faking it till you make it kind of thing (laughs) or forcing feelings. But physiologically neuroscience tells us when we turn the corners of our mouth up. Even if our brain says we're not feeling that, the physiology of it will change the sensations in your body. So thinking about how we can turn just those pauses into a thank you. And then last was to look at something differently. So. Narrow view is helpful when we're solving problems, we're solution-oriented, we're in that sympathetic part of the nervous system, we're walking, we need to be alert. Pausing, taking a bigger view allows us to really hit that emotional pause button so we have a better response. And then a different perspective allows us to have a sense of collective care versus only Self-care. So I'm gonna hit the pause button for a moment. (laughs) And if there's any um, questions uh, or a practice that you would like me to review again, I would love to. I will say, Steven put in here that he was reminded how scary it must feel for your mom with dementia. Yeah. And I think that's a part of collective care, taking those moments to reflect, we already know how scary it feels as a caregiver or whoever we're responsible for in our family, we have a responsibility. And certainly whenever we can put ourselves and take a wider view of what's happening for the other person cultivates that muscle of empathy. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. I'm curious how many of you have a breathing practice that you do? A few? <laughs> yeah. I, I noticed there was a comment in the chat box earlier that said, I need to take a deep breath. So this is a really interesting thing about how how our body works. When we take a sharp or a deep breath, that would be energizing. But instead, if I think, just simply breathe in, notice the difference of how that feels. So oftentimes, rather than than thinking, I need to take a deep breath, unless your purpose is energizing. So when we take a a fuller inhalation, that's gonna be stimulating for the nervous system. So if you're feeling tired and lethargic, you'll want to increase or or stimulate the inhalation more. If we're wanting balance, then we're thinking about perhaps more of an equal breathing practice. So the inhales and the exhales are relatively the same. That would be more balancing for the nervous system. If we need to bring it down a notch, (laughs) we need to calm down. We need to tone down the reaction. That's when our exhale needs to be longer than our inhale. That's when we're telling our nervous system and it's connected to our heart rate we're telling that to slow down, slow down, slow down. So they're all connected. All of these systems that are autonomic are directly related to the breath. All right. How many of you would be willing this week to try the different the three different types of pauses we talked about a few (laughs) yeah good fantastic so when we meet in a few weeks i'll ask you just like i asked you this morning what your small win was because what i find with really any mindfulness contemplative or these really wellness practices they're only so good as you practice them. So let's say, for example, you wanted to play tennis, but all you did was read about tennis. <laughs> like you read, you know, like how to play, you know how to score, you're, you know how that person can make that shot. <laughs> but if you don't actually get out on the court, you're never going to be able to play tennis. It's just not going to work. So the way to embody something, the way to cultivate presence, the way to cultivate patience is start to take these really small steps to practice. And it doesn't take a lot, but more frequent rather than me seeing you every few weeks (laughs) will help you embody the practices. So Nettie asked me to repeat the three ways to breathe. So we talked about three ways to pause, and those three practices to pause that I suggested um, were simply to notice when you need to pause, first of all. You can add an exhale longer than your inhale. So it could be a breathing pause. It could be a thank you or a gratitude pause. So. You know, before you can pour your cup of coffee, or maybe as you're brushing your teeth in the morning, or uh, you see a flower that you really appreciate, how you can say a breath of thank you. And then notice really the key in each of these pausing is starting to notice how it makes you feel. That's going to make you do it again. And the last suggestion was how you look at things, how you look at things. So, Your perspective, narrow for activities, focus, creativity, sometimes reaction, (laughs) broader view allows you to act and not react and a different perspective allows you to have collective care. Was that helpful Nettie? So this will be on the AARP YouTube channel. So I don't know when she'll get those uploaded, but um, uh, I hope that to have that link for you all in a coming, um, in the coming weeks. Uh, Kimma put in the chat box that we have um, virtual wellness retreats. So techniques like this, um, whether it's breathing or mindfulness or music or art, Um, We have an assortment of different things and a number of different retreats that are online and they're all free. So we don't charge for anything and we're so happy that um, we're able to share and give this to you. So if you go to caregiverwellnessretreat.com, all of those goodies will pop up. Uh, If you enjoyed a session like this, I also record a podcast for Caregiver Wellness Retreat and we do it live like this. So we have a time off camera and we can chat a little bit and connect. Then I interview our guest. Then we turn the camera off and then you can ask the guest questions. So our next recording is a bit early. (laughs) It's this Saturday at 845. If you're listening to this way after the fact, you can go onto our website and listen to past recordings. Um, And then we have another recording on Tuesday. We typically do them on Tuesdays. So I've really enjoyed them because one of our goals is try to, to try to figure out how uh, that myself and our other wellness professionals can better connect with you and get you the resources that you need and want. So I'm excited about that. So I hope that you enjoyed today and I want to thank you all for, for coming.